This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends, or welcome aboard. However you're joining us today, it is great to have you. On the Block is presented by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. The moment has arrived, friends. Long time coming, by the way. We, we've been uh, efforting this one for a while, and uh, you know these opportunities present themselves to you in, in different ways. A couple months ago, uh, young Thomas Hogan, we had a, a nice picture of Tommy on QSportsTalk.com uh, pursuing a basketball autograph from our next guest, which he ended up getting signed by the entire 2003 national championship team, right? But um, a couple months ago, it was proposed to pursue this guest, and a lesson learned here. Now, Professor Axe always tells his students in class to make the ask when it comes to pursuing people to interview. I met young Thomas Hogan's request with some skepticism and a little bit of inspiration, if you will, in saying that if you land Carmelo Anthony on this show, because previous efforts had failed to do so, I will pay you $50. Like, on the spot, let's go. Then, as it turns out, Melo's got a book coming out. (laughs) And let's just say, I don't know if the $50 in Tommy's pocket is worth more than the basketball he got signed by the entire 2003 national championship team. One way or the other, folks, uh, it was a pleasure to speak with Carmelo yesterday. His book is out today where tomorrows aren't promised. Let's hold you back no longer. Let's uh, listen in on our conversation with Syracuse legend and now Los Angeles Laker, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo, the book is where tomorrows aren't promised. And, and what I like about this is, you know, you didn't just kind of brush by childhood and tell us all the juicy stories of life in the NBA. The focus of the book is your upbringing in your childhood. Tell us why you wanted to take that approach. Yeah, I was very specific on uh, on, on choosing to tell that story of, of and, and bringing that story to the light, or not bringing it to the light, but allowing people into that part of my life. Uh, you know, I just also it was it was therapeutic for me, and and, and you know to, to help me fill the pieces in my life. You know, and, and and just reflection and looking back on things that I've been through, um, you know, it, it was critical for me to kind of get this story out there at this point in time. So when people read the book, Carmelo, when they finish it, what what's the big takeaway you want people to have? What what do you want people to learn about your life growing up? <laughs> um, you know, like honestly, like it, it's it's. This is the universe. It's a universal truth, I would say, right? And and I want people to understand, like, just because this is my story and I'm telling the story, this is a universal. It has a universal appeal too. So it appeals to everybody, every walk of life. I'm just telling you from my experience and bring, giving you stories that I've dealt with and lessons and, and 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 revelations on what I had to deal with growing up to make me who I am today. So. I just don't, you know, you don't have to be from Baltimore to to, to, to understand or take something from this. It's, it's okay to ask for help. You know, it, it, it's okay to be, you know, going through something and, and, and talking about it and bringing somebody on. And I just think, like, this story, I'm, I'm, I'm very acutely aware of my surroundings. I was very acutely aware of my surroundings at a young age. And I just think people need to understand how hard that is. 
to be aware at such a young age and have these have these lessons um, today and just in what they go through in life. So I got to tell you, that's the biggest lesson I took from it is pivoting, adjusting, life on the fly. You know, you're right, get comfortable in, in most uncomfortable situations. You know, you, you wrote options are a luxury the poor can't afford, right? So it's just taking the best of a situation and, and adjusting to it. And it feels like that's what you did through your life in Red Hook, what you did in Baltimore, and and right on through to Syracuse, as, as we'll get to here. Is, is that uh, really what it came down to is, you know, take what life hands you and, and try and make the best of it? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you go from one point in time where you're trying to figure out life, but you, you just live in life, you know, because when you're, when you're living life and you're in those where everybody is dealing with the same thing. So it's not, it's not, it's hardship, but it's not because it's, it's, it's life. We got to go through that. We got to deal with that. We had to, everybody was dealing with the same thing. So we had to really deal with life. And, and that was our life at that point in time. So you had to adapt. You had to understand your surroundings. You had to, you, you was going to go through ups and downs. You was going to feel some days was going to be better than others. Some days going to be worse than others. You're going to feel depressed without you even knowing it. So like, like myself, uh, it took me 20 something, 30, almost 30 years to realize, man, I was, you know, people in those environments are depressed. We're grappling, we're grappling with depression, you know? So I, you know, I, I just want, I just want people to understand that. Carmelo, it feels like Syracuse, you know, came on your radar screen pretty early. You're right in the book about how you enjoyed watching them, you know, even when you were little and coming up and, and playing basketball, but let's re retell that story for people of how Syracuse officially came into your life. You accepted the offer and a path was set to come here and go to school at Syracuse University and play basketball. Yeah, so Syracuse was my junior year in high school. Syracuse was, um, they, they was recruiting me. They, they uh, Troy Weaver, who's now and you know the general manager in Detroit Pistons. He was recruiting me early because he was from the kind of the, the DMV area. And at the time, Syracuse was like the biggest, the biggest school. And, and again, this goes back to what I said in, in, in the book about just loyalty. I was very loyal to that. Somebody who's coming to my games, somebody who's there every day is Syracuse. It's the Big East. So I decided to commit to, to Syracuse on my birthday of my junior year. That was like my birthday present to me. And at that point, I just I felt like there was always going to be a connection with Syracuse. And then once I got there, you know, I I just felt I felt I, I felt like I was a part of it. You know, I felt like I was a part of that community in a major, major way because I committed a year early. You know, I had time to to make the commitment and still go play basketball at Oak Hill, but still also look forward to going to Syracuse that following year. Mello, speaking of adjusting, there is a story in this book that I really enjoyed uh, about your time here at Syracuse. So after you guys play Georgetown, you get to go home for a few days and you get the Green Hornet. <laughs> and you're driving the Green Hornet and you get stuck in a snowstorm in, of all places, Scranton, Pennsylvania. So tell, tell us that story. And there's something in hindsight you should have done that I'm going to tell you. But you tell us that story first. <laughs> Hi, so I should have called Jay McNamara. That's, That's it. That's exactly what I was going to say. You're at Scranton, PA. You got to say, I know I Jerry. Exactly. Hey, I should have. I should have called. I should have called. I should have called Jerry. But I think Jerry stayed in Syracuse at that time. I was just. 
I was being naive. I was just being, you know, a knucklehead. I have to get home to see my family. You know, it's Christmas. Uh, I wanted to go get my car. So I was like, by any means necessary, I'm going to go and get my car and bring it back. As long as I'm back by the, the day that I have to be back. And I just get caught into a snowstorm in, 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 the, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I go to, you know, I'm driving. The snow is coming down, I mean, crazy. And I, I couldn't, the tires on my car, the green horn, it was so bald, it was, it was terrible. It was just, you know, it was terrible. <laughs> so I couldn't drive in the snow. So I pulled over, there's like a little hotel over there, and I pulled over. And I go in, and I'm just, I'm basically like pleading with the guy, like, just give me a room. I'll sleep in the ballroom. I'll sleep in the wherever, the computer room. I'll sleep wherever. Just give me a couple hours. I, I can't drive in the snow. And I had to beg and plead. And he was telling me, no, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. You're underage, this, this, and that. And I didn't have no money at the time. I was just happy that I had my car, but I didn't have no money. And just so happened, we had just played Georgetown a couple of days before that, and USA Today ran an article. Um, and my face was in, 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 in the USA Today paper up there. Uh, and that was my ID. That was my credit card right there at that moment. What a, what a story. And, yeah, the guy's like, yeah, I'll give you a room. you got to be out of here by sunrise. But what a thing. You have to be out of here by sunrise. That's incredible. And I'll tell you what, I was out of there the minute that I see the sun. And the minute that I saw a light in the sky, I was out of there. And mom, mom warned you, by the way, as you write in the book. She warned me. She, too, too much know, snow. She warned me. That, that's a lesson, too, right? You listen to your mom. That's listen exactly to your mom right. and your parents, man, because they're not going to tell you nothing wrong. That is exactly right. Carmelo, through, look, all the experiences here, both on and off the court, what about your Syracuse experience just, just stays with you to this day that makes you smile when you think about it? Well, of course, winning. You know, of course, winning the national championship. But also not just winning it, understanding what was at stake, understanding Syracuse. You know, Bayhawk's been coaching there prior to that almost, almost 30 years and haven't won a championship. Like, Syracuse needed that. They can't have that fan base and that type of camaraderie, not just in searches, but throughout the whole world. No matter where you go in the world, you're going to find somebody that represents Syracuse. So you can't have that and then don't have a championship to go behind that or have, you know, the success to go, to go behind that. And that's what, I, that's what I felt. After we won, it was like I felt like I accomplished, you know, walking or hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, it's it's impossible. Nobody thought we can do it. Uh, our backs was against the wall the whole year. We was up against the odds the whole year. We were supposed to be too young. No freshmen, you know, class of freshmen never led a team to count the national championship. So we had to deal with all of that. Everything was just, everything was so hard. We had to always work double the amount that any other schools had to do or had to work. They was given a lot of things. We had to really earn it up there. Buzzer sounds, pandemonium, confetti. You've got a newspaper in your hand that says national champions. Who are you thinking about at that moment? Everybody that's in the book. Everybody that I'm talking about in the book. My family, my friends, my neighborhood, you know, just my community. Um, 
you know, I felt like, you know, this, this was, I did it for, I did it for us. You know, I didn't just do it for me. I did it for Baltimore city. You know, I did it for New York, you know? So it was, I feel like that was my way of giving back to the places that, that I represent. Carmelo, uh, we'll end on this note. Just just to go back, I remember being in the room at that press conference, and I could sense a hesitancy even then about you declaring for the NBA draft. And as you write in the book here, basically Jim Beheim kicked you out, right? And we can't repeat some of the language he used in that conversation, but uh, tell us about that that moment. And, and were you surprised when he was like, no, you got to go? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was a little surprised because, you know, usually in those situations it's like, you know, coaches would, would try to convince you to come back. You know, we won. Let's try to do it again. We got a new recruiting class coming in. We got this. and You know, we got the experience. And let's try to go repeat and do it again. And so that's that's what usually would happen. And in this case with, with, with Coach, that wasn't the case. And But I also felt like he, he had a monkey off of his back. Like he had that boulder, that weight off of his shoulders at that point. So he was at peace, too from his standpoint, but also understood something that I didn't understood at, at, understand at that point of what we just accomplished. Coming in here as a freshman, I didn't understand all of that at that point in time. It took me eight years, nine years into my career to watch a full game of the national championship. So it, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't like process it all. Everything was happening so fast. So when he told me that, I didn't understand it at that point. But I, but I understood, get out of here. I understood that. Don't come back. I know that was very clear to me. Don't come back. Get your stuff and get out of here. Carmelo, it was a pleasure to catch up with you. You brought us a, a first championship here at Syracuse, so let's bring that uh, full circle. You get a first championship at the NBA level this year. We'll be watching and rooting for you, and we'll catch up down the road. Next time we have you on, you'll have to tell me more about your alter ego, Tyrone Johnson. Okay, well, we'll, we'll save that for next time, okay? <laughs> All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Carmelo. All right. Thank you. There he is, folks. The Syracuse legend, national champion, now a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, Carmelo Anthony. The book is Where Tomorrows Aren't Promised. I love the concept and the premise of the book because it's really all about his upbringing in Baltimore, in New York City, getting into the basketball circuit, why Syracuse comes on the table, Great Syracuse stories we did not tell in that conversation. You know, we got to save some stuff for the book, right? And the book basically begins and ends on draft night. It starts on NBA draft night. It ends on NBA draft night. And that's the premise and the focus of the story. D. Watkins wrote the book with Carmelo. Let's give uh, the author a shout-out as well. It is available now, all the usual places, Amazon and such. And, uh, boy, what a pleasure to catch up with Mello. We have not uh, had a conversation with him since he left here. I had uh, plenty of conversations with him you know, via media interactions when he was here. And I've been in a couple of press scrums with him and things like that. But I have not had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him on the radio or in really any other format since he left. So uh, we're glad the opportunity came up. Hope it's not the uh, first and last time we chat with him, certainly. And uh, as he noted, uh, so there's one last thing, as I noted, actually. But he discussed here a little bit uh, further on first take this morning, getting that ring. I mean, that's why you go to the Lakers. That's why you keep this thing going. And, yeah, they're, uh, let's say they're a bit experienced, right? Well, we, I mean, that's a fact. Ain't nobody saying nothing that's not a fact. We, we are we old as hell, Steve. We, you, you know that in, in basketball sense. 
But I, I just think that what we all bring to the table is is a wisdom that a lot of people don't have. Like the way that we're able to, that we're going to be able to come together, hold each other, hold each other accountable, uh, have each other backs. You know, we we have we have the most knowledge on this one team than the whole NBA have. I I I think so. If we can't put that together and make something work, then that, that's on us. That's that's not on nobody else. And that's that's something that you know that I'm looking forward to. We all talk about it. We all discussed it. We know what's at stake. We're going to have fun with this journey. We're going to enjoy this this journey. We're going to embrace it. Not that there's a shortage of Laker fans uh, in this area, but uh, now that Carmelo's making one last run on a team that's actually got a legit shot to win a NBA title, yeah. Going to be some more Laker fans around here. But now that perspective is totally different. Before, if I, if I, had, if I was just to walk away from the game before, then I'd I'd have been at peace with that. I'd have been cool with that, knowing that you know I I I tried to win a championship. It just don't work out for everybody. But now that perspective is totally different. Now I have to win. There there's no if ands or buts about that. So I know what that does. I know the pressure that that put on 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 us as a team as an organization. But what other pressure did you want? What other pressure we want? We want to go out there. We want to target on our back. That's Carmelo Anthony on first take this morning, and we appreciate Carmelo's time and coming on with us here. If you missed it, how dare you? But uh, we will put that up at QSportsTalk.com. We'll put that on our podcast feed as well on iTunes. And uh, tell your friends in case they missed it. That's where they can find it and listen on demand. We will break on that note and return on the block ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Stay there.